Dagon's Illusion, Episode 44, Lafayette, Number 1. Millicent was holding a folder. Without saying anything, she laid it on Dagon's desk and sat down. What's this? Some things I found at the library. Taking out a handkerchief, she wiped the tears from her eyes. I hate it, Robert. I hate this world that you live in. I don't understand how anyone can live in it without going insane. There's so much noise. Everything moves so fast. I was almost run over just coming into this building. I hate cars. I hate riding in them. They frightened me to death. I miss horses and carriages. I miss the quietness. I miss people being friendly to each other. No, no one is even polite here. If you say good morning, they look at you as though you've committed an unpardonable crime. You think it's bad here, you should go to California. Look, like we said, you're visiting a strange country. Visiting? If you visit somewhere, you can go home. But I can't go home. I don't think I'm ever going home again. What am I going to do? I try so hard, but I can't understand anything around me. All the mechanical contraptions. Everyone knows how to operate them, and I don't even know what they are. Things that buzz and squeak and talk to you. They scare me. When I jump, people find it uproariously humorous. When I fumble and struggle, everyone thinks I'm stupid. I've started saying that I was ill with a high fever and have lost my memory. Well, that's a good explanation. Oh, yes, yeah, simply wonderful. Now I'm pitied instead of mocked. I don't think anyone has been mocking you. Maybe not the men, but definitely the women. The women are terrible. They're coarse and obnoxious, and they dress like... like prostitutes. I'm sorry, but it's the truth, and they don't know their place. I'm shocked at the way they treat men. The women are free in ways they weren't in your time. If this is freedom, I don't want it. My mother taught me to be a lady, but when I act like a lady, the women think I'm spoiled and prideful, and they live like the dregs of society. What do you mean? Are you aware of the salacious activities at the hotel? Many of the women entertain men in their rooms at all hours of the night. I've seen it. A lot of people know about it, yet the scandal doesn't seem to bother anyone. That's the way it is today. It's just something that you're going to have to get used to. I can't get used to it. I won't. If I have to spend my life here, I'd rather be dead. Millicent, it's the truth. But don't worry. I'm not going to kill myself. I just want to, that's all. For a moment she cried quietly. I'm sorry to be such a burden, but you're the only one I can talk to about any of this. Tony is very sweet, but he treats me like an ignorant child. He tries to help me remember all the things that he thinks I should know, and he isn't very bright. My mother taught me Greek and Latin when I was seven years old. I've read the classics in the original languages. He's never even heard of the Iliad and the Odyssey. My father taught me algebra and geometry. Tony can barely add and subtract. Yet in this world, I am the stupid one because I can't understand things like cell phones. So I use the excuse of a lost memory. But the most awful thing is that it's partly true. What do you mean? As hard as I try, I can't remember anything about the last two years of my life. I remember being ill and with my parents in our home. Before that, everything is dark until Christmas two years ago. I mean, 1874. I've lost two years of my life. Probably the yellow fever had an effect on your mind. The physicians don't think so. Yeah, well, they don't know everything. So don't lose hope. 
Lost memories can come back. The important thing is not to worry about it. If you forget somebody's name, struggling to remember it only makes it worse. Spend time learning new things. Have you enjoyed the library? If horrified fascination is enjoyment, then yes, I've enjoyed every minute. They have an excellent collection of old newspapers and magazines that goes back over a hundred years. Oh, Robert, what's happened is horrible. When I was a little girl, I lived through the war between the states, and that was a nightmare. So many men died, but what's happened since? If people in my time knew... When you go back, you'll know. Yes, and it terrifies me to be the only one who knows the future. Maybe you can change the future. Do you think that's possible? I don't know. I think the future can't be changed. I think it is what it is. Do you believe in free will? I don't worry about things like that. I just live my life trying to make the best decisions I can. My mother is a devout Roman Catholic. My father is an atheist. I don't know whether there's a God or not. But if there is, how can he have allowed so many hideous things to have happened? If there's a God, he's taking a very long nap in another universe. What happens here is up to us. Millicent picked up the folder. I've been searching for family obituaries. I found my father's and my uncle's, and one for Mr. Corneal Moon. I learned something about my father that I didn't know. Apparently, he and Mr. Moon were members of a secret society. When I was a child, I recall them being in my father's office talking until late at night. What kind of a society was it? I don't know, but my father is a very troubled man. What do you mean? He does strange things. When I was five years old, I woke up in the middle of the night to screaming. It was coming from the barn. I rushed outside and looked in. My father was drunk and he was beating one of the horses to death. I tried to stop him, but he turned and started beating me. I barely got away. But it did save the horse. And that horse didn't even belong to him. He was keeping it for one of his friends. The next morning, he made me promise to lie and say that our colored groom George had done it. Did you lie? She hung her head. I was frightened. George was tried and punished with a whipping. If the horse had been killed, he would have been hung. I, but I wouldn't have let that happen. I wouldn't have lied for that. Did you ever find out why he was beating the horse? I think his friend had done something that he didn't like. It had to do with a woman that my father keeps. He has an octoroon mistress. An octoroon mistress? Yes. He met her at the octoroon ball. It isn't held anymore, but it was very popular when my father was young. Once each year, the mothers of girls who were only one-eighth colored held a ball and presented their daughters to white men to keep as mistresses for the rest of their lives. My father's mistress is named Julia. I saw her once. She's very beautiful. My mother hates her, but she allows it. Allows it? Of course she allows it. Women have no choice in such matters. Most of the wealthy men keep octoroons. And you're upset about women entertaining men at the hotel? That's different. White women shouldn't act that way. Oh, I see. Robert, there's some place I need to go, and I don't want to go with anyone but you. Where's that? To Lafayette Cemetery Number 1. My father has a large tomb there. He bought it when his first wife died. Are you sure this is a good idea? I can't help it. I have to find out what happened to the people I love. 
The rain had stopped and the air was thick as Robert Dagan parked his Corvette outside the cemetery. He and Millicent got out and entered beneath the black iron arch. Before them stretched silent corridors of tombs. As she stared at them, Millicent seemed to weaken. Oh, look at it. It's so much larger than it was. I, I think the tomb is that way, but I'm not sure. They began walking down an aisle between the graves. On either side were mausoleums weighed down with sad-faced angels, interspersed with gargantuan granite boxes and slabs of marble decorated with obelisks and heavy urns. Scarred, darkened, crumbling, the stone monuments looked as dead as the rotted flesh they contained. They turned a corner, and then another. I don't know. I can't remember. Millicent started to cry. The last time I was here was when my little sister died. That was ten years ago. What am I saying? It was a hundred and thirty-nine years ago. There's no hurry. We've got plenty of time. A few minutes later, Millicent stopped. There. That one with the skull. I remember it. We're going in the right direction. Another fifty feet, they turned a corner and came to a dead end. In front of them loomed a mausoleum larger and more ornate than all the rest. From its peaked roof rose the sculpture of an angel with broken wings holding a sword. That's it. God help me, that's my father's tomb. A carved plaque hung on the wall. Slowly she walked up to it. It was covered with writing. To the memory of Winston Carmody. Born January 19, 1826. Died September 1, 1892. Eliza Pomeroy. Wife of Winston Carmody. Died July 21, 1852, aged 24 years. Josephine Clara, daughter of Winston and Eliza, died July 22, one day in this world. Winston Carmody, first child of Winston and Mary Dunworthy, born December 4, 1854, died August 17, 1857, our angel boy. Caroline Carmody, third child of Winston and Mary, born March 10, 1862, died October 5, 1866. Mary Beth, fourth child of Winston and Mary, born July 5, 1860, died July 20, 1879. Mary Carmody, born May 15, 1832, died August 3, 1904. As she read the plaque, Millicent started sobbing. Oh, oh, look! Oh, look! My sweet little sister, Mary Beth, she's going to die! She won't even live to twenty years old! What am I going to do? If I go back, I'll know that! Oh, Robert, she's so beautiful and such a good person! Not like me at all! I can't stand it! Leaning her head against the stone, she whispered, why, why did I do this? I never should have come here. Now I know how long my parents are going to live. No child should know that. But then she gasped. With a look of horror, she stepped back. Wait, where is my grave? I should be buried here, but I'm not. Maybe you got married and your grave is somewhere else with your husband. Do you think so? Do you think that's it? Probably. No, that isn't what happened. I think I never got back. Panic-stricken, she stared at him. 
I never got home. That's why I'm not buried with my family. She started to tremble. Gently, he took hold of her shoulders. Millicent, listen to me. You don't know that. I do. I do. I have to live in this miserable world all my life. There's another possibility. Time is strange. What you're saying may be true now, but when you go back, your history could change. What do you mean? Things that have been dislodged could return to their normal positions. After you're gone, I could come here and find your name on that plaque. She quieted. Do you think so? I'm almost sure of it. What we call reality isn't necessarily permanent. How do you know all this? I've studied a lot. Moving close to him, she reached up and wrapped her arms around his neck. Then she whispered, Oh, Robert, what would I do without you? And in that moment, he froze. Suddenly, all he could think about was the softness of her body and the perfume in her hair. Before he could stop himself, their lips met. And for a single moment, he was lost in the most wonderful kiss that he had ever experienced. But then, with a great effort, he pulled away. This isn't a good idea, Millicent. You're right. What am I doing? Please forgive me. I'm so embarrassed. She tried to hide her tears. No, don't be embarrassed. You're upset and lonely. Turning, she looked deeply into his eyes. Do you really think that's all it is? I don't think so. Not at all. He couldn't look at her. If you've seen all you want to, maybe we should go. He started to walk away. Robert. Yes? If I go back to my own time, will you do something for me? Of course, what is it? Will you come on a quiet afternoon and visit my grave?